If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody, it's episode 318 of the Severe MMA Podcast and it's a big one this week as Conor McGregor comes back and tries to avenge his loss to Dustin Poirier and end the trilogy uh, winning 2-1 and Dustin Poirier will be trying to do the same so we'll have a big preview of that fight and all the fights on UFC 264 this week so I know there's a lot of people maybe tuning into this week's podcast who would normally tune in because it's a McGregor week thank you very much we really appreciate it. we're going to get into all of that we're going to discuss all of the the happenings we're going to discuss what we think will happen uh, in the fight and much much more but before that we must tell you that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by the official trimmer of the UFC Manscaped they're not only the sponsor of this podcast but they also have sponsored multiple UFC stars including Max Holloway Francis Ngannou and Sugar Sean O'Malley Manscaped is here to ensure your favorite fighter doesn't miss weight because of their pubes so that's always very very good um myself and Graham have been using Manscaped everyone listening to this podcast knows for the last maybe year or so and they've been a great supporter to us and a great supporter to uh to the ufc and to mma in general so i think you should all support manscaped as well so manscaped is changing the grooming game with our perfect pack package 3.0 easy for me to say uh that perfect package 3.0 includes their premier lawnmower 3.0 trimmer the ceramic blade and skin safe technology uh, is designed to reduce nicks or tugs on your fellas down low for all our international listeners out there they've just launched their life-changing products uh in the uk ireland australia new zealand canada and the eu so anyone listening to this uh can can get on it so it's time to hop on the manscape movement side the perfect package 3.0 you'll also get the crop preserver deodorant for below the belt uh it's anti-chafing moisturizing i actually need some more of that manscape so if you're listening last <laughs> some more out to be there you'll also find the crop reviver toner which i need more of as well uh, which is an aloe vera infused cologne for below the belt for a limited time subscribers get not one but two free gifts first of all the travel shared bag which i actually used the other day because i went away to dublin and it's the first time in, uh, since i got it like a year ago i've been able to use it and get away it's absolutely fantastic and also you get the patented uh, anti-chafing manscape boxers which i know I, I know a couple of lads over on our patreon have a, a subscription for them and you get one every month and so, so absolutely fantastic so to get 20 percent off and free shipping and all that all you have to do is insert the code severe mma at manscaped.com so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off free shipping code severe mma right we might as well start where uh, everyone wants us to start, and that is with Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier coming up uh, this weekend. 
And I, do you know what? Uh, normally we'd come in here and we talk about the, the fight itself and the breakdown of the fight, and we absolutely will do that uh, in a while. I've actually, if anyone hasn't signed up to our Patreon yet, I actually have gone and rewatched both McGregor versus Poirier 1 and McGregor versus Poirier 2, and that's already up on Patreon. So if you sign up now, you can go and listen to both of those podcasts. I literally watched back the whole fights, talk about them, do a bit of analysis, what can and can't be changed. We'll talk a little bit more about that uh, in a second. But I went and I, you know, we've uh, obviously this podcast and every week we have the hardcores listening to it that stay up until 7 o'clock in the morning watching fucking Gless and Tebow fight, you know, Anthony Pettis in uh, in PFL and stuff like that. But we also have, you know, McGregor fans maybe or uh, casual MMA fans who watch maybe three or four cards a year. And I, I've asked like a few people like that what they would want to hear coming into the McGregor fight week. And the question I got from, or the answer I got from everyone, is is probably a question I, I can't answer, but still I think it's worth talking about. Because you'd almost forget it being us, being the you know, covering MMA week in, week out. But the big talking point after the last McGregor fight is how he's going to prepare for the next one, how he's going to change things up, if he's going to get like a new camp, if he's going to get new trainers, if he's going to get new training partners and all of that. Um, and I suppose that's the first question we need to look at. For, for me, I haven't seen anything different. Maybe, Graham, you know more than me, but it, uh, to me it looks like, you know, uh, he was training with John Mitchell, I suppose, who's a, a new name, but an SBG guy down in Cork as well. Uh, I think Kiefer Crosby and Keen Cowley went over uh, to train with him as well, and I believe John Kavanagh has been over with him as well. So, you know, he's he's same team. Has he brought in anything under the, the radar? Has he brought in, in people to train with? I haven't heard of. Graham, have you heard anything about that? Or is it a similar sort of setup? Now, we don't know what approach they're taking and all that. We'll get to that in a second. But from the team itself, it seems to be a similar enough team as, as always. Well, I haven't I haven't been around uh, at all, so I don't really know. But I, I, I heard um, a talk of Kiefer Crosby coming in and things like that. But I don't think there was... Um, talk of bringing in outside people but the camp has been pretty pretty quiet like obviously connor's been quiet everybody's been quiet so we don't really know what's going on and i obviously haven't um haven't been there so i don't know what's going on either really so it's more of a i'm in the same position as, as most people this this camp yeah and i think that's probably like uh if, if someone was to talk to connor mcgregor and like a, lo- a lot of the time when the McGregor fight comes around, you have, you know, there's a bit of drama, or there's a bit of back and forth, or there's a title, or there's some talk like that. I feel like the biggest story is that story, is what is, has he changed up? What is he going to change up? What's different from the first fight compared to now? Now, after that first fight, he did speak a lot about how he hadn't been fighting that much. You know, he'd fought 40 seconds in the last couple of years, basically. And that, it not necessarily ring rust, he was saying, but he was kind of saying he needs to get back into the groove, needs to get another training camp under him. And maybe that's what he's brought into this, and maybe that's what he's looking to get forward to. But I really think, like, and we, we will get into analysis in a second, as I say, I think unless there is... A, a big change in that as well as you know getting more used to being back into MMA and more used to training you know obviously with the coronavirus and the UFC basically not wanted him to fight when he kind of did want to fight and you know when you don't have a fight booked uh, as we've always talked about before it's harder to get into training camp and with the coronavirus as well it's it was just impossible to train for a while in Ireland when where he was uh it looks, you know, it it could be, uh, it could be a bit of that, but also, like, he, I I think I think after, it was maybe a month or two after the last fight where he came out as well and said, um, 
you know, he I think there was a picture going around of one of his fight, maybe his UFC debut or something like that. And he was like, I remember preparing for this fight, and I went in like, and I lived in my sister's spare room near the gym, and I got away from everyone and everything, because everyone had said, you know, the whole silk sheets, it's hard to get up in the morning and stuff. I, I believe like. <sighs> I, he's been away over in is it Abu Dhabi or, or out in uh, that region of the world anyway training and stuff I know his uh, uh, his girlfriend had had a baby and things like that so it looks like he has been kind of away in a training camp you know it's not exactly you know Iceland or you know the, the uh, uh, maybe the your sister's back room but maybe it is a bit more of a, an away training camp and getting away to focus on nothing but that you know we haven't seen many whiskey tweets we haven't seen many you know promotions or anything like that so it feels like there is a bit more there with that uh, and on that side of it and i suppose graham you can like speak to that more than anything like the amount of stuff that someone you know we, we talk about you know the, the silk sheets and and it's hard to be getting up and stuff but the amount is just the amount of things someone like that famous has to do day in day out just must be insane and like hopefully well, yeah, there's always there's yeah. always people trying to pull out of you you just gotta you gotta kind of be the kind of distant guy maybe piss a few people off and not do things that maybe people think you should do but you you gotta kind of be selfish in your training as as he once said uh many many years ago yeah and ho like hopefully if you're like a conor mcgregor fan looking in or an irish mma fan and like you want or even just an mma fan and you want the best fight that you can get I suppose, you know, everyone is talking about what he's done in camp, where's he going? We don't know that question, but the one hope I think everyone would have was that he has been that. He has been selfish. He has looked after himself uh, in terms of his preparation, in terms of how hard he's prepared. You know, he's put up a few videos and stuff like that, but we haven't really heard about him. And we'll get to the shy talk and we'll get to the anticipation levels in a second as well, but it's... To me, that is the key to this fight. It This fight, okay, it'll be won next Saturday night, but I think it will have to have been won in the preparation. It'll have to have been won uh, in the tactical preparation as well as the physical preparation because, you know, the last time th th there was bizarre things coming out about all oh, leg kicks, we've never heard of them and, and all this stuff. And, you know, some of that was obviously probably a bit glib, but it didn't sound good. It didn't look good. Uh, and if he's not fully, fully prepared, if his camp haven't fully prepared him, him as well that is going to be a, a big big issue so but if they have you know I've, I've talked about it before i talked about it directly after that fight that there are adjustments to be made and we will get to them as i said but i think that is the key and that is a very big key coming in and the question everyone is asking and you know i'm sure conor mcgregor will be doing a lot of interviews next week and i think that's the question that he probably won't answer even if you know let's say if he got fucking uh, i don't know mvp to come in and, and train with him and throw leg kicks at him for for six months uh he probably wouldn't say that you know <laughs> but it's a question i think he needs to be asked and we always get the question how how, how was camp and all but this time i think it's a, a question that really needs to be asked but i think it's an interesting one um anticipation level so i mentioned it earlier i feel like you know i was a couple of lads i was talking to them the other day mma fans and they were saying oh it doesn't feel like there's a mcgregor fight coming up uh not too long away but i i do think in the last couple of days and we're recording this here now and what is it sunday morning here 11 o'clock um 
I, I do feel like it's pumped up a little bit and a little bit more even than recent fights. I think in the last couple of days, you know, the um, a couple of videos have come out and that tweet, or the, I think uh, he did an interview, uh, Dustin Barry did an interview with Brett Akamoto. I haven't listened to it yet, but he, he said uh, he put Conor McGregor on airplane mode the last time they fought and then McGregor put up like a thing on, on uh, Facebook. I think it was uh, kind of John back at him a little bit. So I think just small things like that they kind of started off and they get it going and I feel like people are starting to talk about it and starting to think about it uh, as we uh, as we come like within what six or seven days for it here but I do think fights over the last while with how many MMA cards there are at the moment and how many big UFC cards there are have been flying more under the radar until like late in the week like Thursday Friday Saturday after the media day after the wins and even like for a lot of people just on the morning you're going to fight maybe with ESPN hearing it on uh, on ESPN over there like us and with uh, Sky Sports News and just picking it up and, and watching it that night but um what what would you say about the anticipation levels where where are you are you seeing much stuff about it are you do you think people are, are getting excited about it now yeah well like I was I, I was uh, with a friend yesterday and you know he's a he's an MMA fan but he kind of dips in and out uh you know he wouldn't be watching every card but uh he he he'd be a bit more than a casual and you know maybe recently he hasn't really been you know talking to me about many fights he hasn't usually he'd be like messaging me asking me what I think about who's going to win this or these odds on on certain fights and stuff and I think maybe you know that kind of you know that, uh that kind of fan who dips in and out is is definitely going to be interested in this one but maybe as you said they'll they'll be taken they'll be sucked in once the videos of the kind of back and forth or the press conferences or the the media interviews start going out like those videos will be on like all social media and youtube and all that stuff and i think that's what really gets people people interested it's, it is a bit of a, a more late burner than before like obviously back when Connor was on the way up in Ireland. People were talking about it constantly, uh, even when he didn't have a fight lined up or asking when his next fight would be. And it's definitely not that level anymore. But, you know, as as fight week comes, I expect more people to be to be ringing or messaging or asking what do I think or, you know, I think I think the first one, I think the, the Habib one I talked about, the, the Habib fight, uh, people were talking in the lead up, oh, there's no, there's no um, hype, what's going on? Um, and then once fight week came, it really exploded and everybody was talking about it and obviously did what was it, 1.6 million pay-per-views and stuff. So I think we were able to get a much better sense of, of the anticipation levels and the hype levels once Wednesday, Thursday comes around. Yeah, and it's uh, that's a very good point because it was a question I, I have actually prepared for someone uh, who will be on the podcast with me tomorrow. So um, about how that has kind of changed and how McGregor has changed. I remember, I remember when Conor McGregor went into tough at that time, I don't know, like whenever it was, it was just after Chad Mendes fight, wasn't it? I remember everyone yeah. was saying we're seeing too much of Conor McGregor. You know, he's all over the place. He's everywhere. Every time you turn anything on an MMA, every time anyone does an interview, they're talking about Conor McGregor. He tweets back at him. And, you know, it was fun and funnier back then, I suppose. But over the last while, I think he has done that a bit. I don't think it has hit as well. But then I think there has been a lot of silence from him. We haven't, you know, he's putting stuff up on instagram but not enough you know not enough note or anything like that you know just you know the, the odd time he would but i feel like we have the exact opposite of what we had back then we had too much mcgregor at one stage or maybe you know uh and i think tough actually helped because he was away in that house for a while and he couldn't say much about it so that kind of actually helped a little bit i think and then he came back in force when tough started again i think we got a little bit of a break from it the whole mma community and it was good but now 
we, what what everyone I think loved about Conor McGregor as or or even hated maybe was how he we would always hear from him. He would never stop talking, and you know he was just talking shite all the time. And I suppose maybe he needed to do that on the way up, and now maybe it's not uh, it's not the way he wants to go from it for uh, with it. But I do feel like in this game. I think that's a big thing and a big part of it. And to be that kind of constant character. I know there are basketball fans over here, but Kevin Durant, I think, is one of those guys now who's like tweeting all the time and talking shit. And I think people kind of like him because of that. And I like I think that's easier to do in MMA than any other sport. Although, look, McGregor probably gets criticized more for it as well whenever he chirps in with something. But I feel like... I feel like that's a little bit of a missing part for him. And I think coming into this fight week as well, we talked about there will be a media day. I believe there's a, a press conference uh, lined up and everything. It'll be interesting to see, do we get, like, nice guy Connor like we had the last time? Do we get, like, full-on, you know, P-head, you're a hick from Louisiana type of thing? Or do we get maybe a combination of both? Have you, have, what would you like to see first? Well, you know, it seems think? to me that, that Poirier is trying to nearly draw the, the yeah. aggressive uh, trash talking McGregor out I don't know why he'd want that or if it's a if it's a non-conscious thing he's doing but it seems to me like he seems to be the one trying to engage in a bit of back and forth do you reckon he thinks maybe it's an easy fight and he just wants to make more money out of it by building the hype like uh, I don't think so I think he knows this is a this is a massive huge legacy fight and like you know what I mean this is yeah. this is huge for him um uh, it's huge for for Connor too like you know there's a lot on the line here there's a lot of jeopardy here if, if Connors win this, you know, he's probably into a title shot. And if he's to lose this, people will be considering, oh, is he is he ever going to be what he was before? And they're probably going to be thinking no. So this is a huge Jeopardy fight for both guys. So I don't think either guy is taking this as an easy fight. Yeah, this is, I think for McGregor especially, I think, look, I think Paria has built his way up before uh, and done it the kind of the way a normal MMA fighter would do it. But Conor McGregor is not an MMA, a normal MMA fighter. And I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Like, this is... This is a, a graph fight for Conor McGregor. You know, we always talk about them in MMA. Are you on the way up or on the way down? And not necessarily in in terms of, like, making money or in terms of big fights, but in terms of, like, the, the title challenge. I think if McGregor loses this fight, I, I it's not that I think he'd be completely out of it, uh, the realms of talking about a Titan challenger, like let's say if he f- was to fight Nate Diaz next or, or a Masvidal, I think you know, and win one of those, he'd be right <laughs> back their in route, it. But, their roots back, like you yeah. know, you could imagine him going in there and beating a beating a Diaz or beating a Chandler or beating a uh, Oliveira. You know, they, like, these are matchups that are possible to win, but it's yeah. just you, momentum's a thing, and you know, um, obviously, you know, uh, the title is is right. The title shot is right there if yeah. if he can if he can beat Parier, and the same for Parier if he can beat Connor, the the title shot is right there. So. You know, there's a lot on the line here. The crowd's going to be back as well. I think, you know, it was kind of strange and odd watching Connor walk out and have no crowd to feed off. You know, even back in the Cage Warriors days, what was it, like 800, 900 people there? There was still always a vocal support for Connor at all of those. And, you know, that'll most likely, you know, be back now. So maybe that will affect things as well and how comfortable uh, he feels in there. There's a, like, you know, there's a lot of different factors going on here, a lot of different things that it's. It's hard to know what's going to happen, you know. There's, yeah. as you mentioned, the camp and, um, and like the technique and trying to counter and what's Poirier going to do. And 
all the jeopardy and the fans being back and which corner is going to, is he going to come polite? Is he going to come, you know, there's a lot of questions around this. A hundred percent. And I think it's, look, I think it's a very, very interesting one. The crowd, there was, there was a small crowd for his last fight, but as you, like, it wasn't anything near what it's going to be like next week. No, like Irish fans, I don't think are going to be able to travel over for it. So that kind of question, we always talk about. The well, what about Irish Americans though, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But we always get the question about, you know, if, let's say if we're doing American radio or something next week and someone's going to talk, talk about the Irish love and the Irish graph from McGregor, if it's still there, it's it's hard to know really <laughs> at this stage. I remember like there was a stage where everyone, uh, not, not everyone, but a lot of people, the young people of Ireland kind of loved Conor McGregor and they loved what he was about and that he wasn't happy with second place and everything like that. And he was doing it in a, a kind of a boisterous, cocky way and, you know, people liked that. And then there was, a time where he started getting, you know, saying different things and doing different things and being accused of different things and people started to not like him. And I feel like now, over the last while, there hasn't just been as much opinion on him. And I'd be interested to see if if that is the case this weekend as well. Because we don't know. Like, before we could take general guesses and we've actually, me especially, uh, <laughs> one stage I got awful abuse because of something I said uh, and it turned out to be a little bit right, I think. But anyway, but we'll see this week wh- what it's like, what people are talking about. We will, look, uh, we, I guarantee you we'll have the coverage in, in the Independent or in the Examiner or wherever it might be saying MMA is not a sport and this, you know, talk the, the hot take to get comments yeah. and shares and, and people and, will fall right into the yeah, trap and, and share don't. it and be like, this is disgusting. Yeah, please don't share. If you're listening to this, right, you're going to see one of them during the week. You might see two or three of them even. Don't share them. Don't say this is the kind of coverage we're getting. Listen don't to Don't comment. No, we've been talking for the last 20 minutes about this fight and we're going to get into the, the, the actual fight itself in a second here. This is the start of coverage you need or go over and listen to fucking you know the coming event podcast or listen to to crooklyn or so you know people covering the sport who are trying to actually cover it and support them rather than talking about shit like this or sign up for our patreon rather than buying the fucking paper this week so i, I just don't give it any credence if you're an mma fan and you don't like it just it's not for you move on from it that would be my advice on that but it's there to try and roll you up like yeah it's a sad state of journalism but it's, it's the state we're in yeah 100 percent. it really is uh last I just want to roll back quickly to one point before I move on and we talk about maybe the, the tactics of the fight itself and stuff. Just, I, I made a point there, like this fight being the, the kind of the graph fight McGregor if he goes up or down. And it's not necessarily, uh, um, you know, in, in uh, his whole career, his moneymaker or anything like that. But I think every fight McGregor usually takes, it is to get to a title or to get to a huge fight. Now, you could say, oh, what about the two Nate Diaz fights? It, it was the first one was short notice, and the second one was because he lost the first one. Basically, like after that, he went straight into a UFC title fight against uh, against Eddie Alvarez. Yeah, the plan was always to, to yeah. try and get the two titles. He talked about that for a long yeah. time. That was just a detour because obviously he ended up losing on short notice. Yeah, and then obviously you know he got the, the Habib fight, and then Cerrone was a, kind of a comeback fight to get back into the the title reckoning. He could have taken bigger fights at the, at that point, you know, to you know, with an eight years or wherever it might have been. But I, and this fight as well, the Paria, the, the the last Paria fight, obviously to get back towards the title reckoning as well. Paria was the number one contender, number two contender at the time, had just fought for the belt not long before it, and now everyone thinks Paria should have been the first man. Uh, and the t- and the team sheet will say for the vacant title fight, which just uh, happened, but he chose the McGregor fight instead. Obviously, so like McGregor, arguably is fighting the best active lightweight in the world 
right now so he's right there at the top but I think if he loses this fight it will be Nate Diaz it'll be Masvidal it'll be a big money fight like that Raw, you know and Nate coming off Velas Masvidal coming off Velas uh, I think it'll be one of those fights he'll be one of the fights that I think we've kind of referred to them as back pocket fights before you know the ones that you have there if all kind of if all else fails and you can make a lot of money out of them and that is that is not the direction I think Conor McGregor wants to go. You know, we we talked about him with money and you know that being his number one for years and years and years. But I feel like it is obviously he loves making money and don't get me wrong, but he has always built fights to make money to get towards the top as well. Apart from maybe the the Floyd Mayweather fight, although about although that was kind of at the top, you could argue it's it. But it's it's a big turning point here for McGregor in his career. Uh, if he wins it, he will be fighting for a title. I would I would argue, or I would almost guarantee. And if he loses it, uh, it will be I think a back pocket fight. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens after that. Um, and I I think that is what from a sporting point of view. You could argue this is Conor McGregor's biggest fight since Jose Aldo, I think. You know, you could from from the sporting point of view, because like with the Aldo fight and and the Mendes fight as well, I think he was kind of still proving a lot to people. And it's not just because it's Conor McGregor and there's talk about him. I think every fighter has that, even like Chris Weibel. I I remember before the Anderson Silva fight, I was like, he has no hope. There's no way, and he goes out and beats him. Well, okay, well I'm proven wrong. <laughs> and I think Conor McGregor did that to a lot of people in that fight, in the Aldo fight. I think if you didn't believe in him after that, you were kind of an idiot and or just hated him or whatever. Um, and you know he had all the fights since as well. But I think from a sporting point of view, this is the one to prove he is still at or towards the top of the game in MMA you know that last fight okay he won the first round absolutely don't get me wrong and when it's with McGregor there's always you know um, either too much or too little said in terms of praise or uh, or the opposite of praise Um, and I think uh, I think coming into this one you have to look at it with that, though. You have to look at it like this is this is the turning point fight. If he wins, he's right up there as the best. And if he loses, we can make the claim, and lots of people will say it, that he no longer is the best. You'll see people saying he never was great either. And those people, like the Ronda Rousey people who say it as well, uh, it, to a lesser extent, uh, are, are just completely wrong and have kind of... Are, are trying to get off their fucking narrative, I suppose. But uh, yeah, from from a now sporting point of view, I think it's huge. So let's let's get into the analysis of this fight. And let's talk about it, and then we'll talk about the other fights and two eight six four. And there's a couple of bits of news as well that we'll we will just touch on, or one bit even uh, from Irish MMA. But uh, look, looking at the last fight, and having gone back and watched the fight, and I'll speak to people about this during the week as well. That maybe know more than you and me, Graham. But I feel like watching back those fights. The, the big difference between McGregor in fight one and fight two and the reason he lost fight two and won fight one was because of the better movement, was because of the way he could get in and out, not get caught with leg kicks, not get caught with shots and land his shots more quickly than his opponent, Dustin Poirier, could land on him. Now, the question there then, I suppose, is will he go back to that, number one, two... Does he want to go back to that? Is his new style like a style that he thinks is uh, a level up on his old style or just a changed style? That's what I would be very interested in. And in overall, like Conor McGregor, we've seen in the documentary, he's had, you know, bad knee injuries. He's had very, very bad injuries over the last while. Has, you know, said 
two years ago or whenever it was the Eddie Alvarez fight was that because he wanted to fight Eddie Alvarez that way or was it because he couldn't move as well anymore with those injuries that's a kind of a another thing I think might be uh my, you know and we've talked about that before in previous years as well but what do you think in terms of the style do you think he will revert to type he will go back to the the early days Conor McGregor loose on his feet or do you think we'll get this boxing you know he did, did a bit of the in and out and stuff as well coming in but there's a lot of like in the pocket boxing moving his shoulders trying to land that front hand uppercut and things like that what what do you think we'll see from conor mcgregor well i think the the post fight press conference was it or was it an interview afterwards he was talking about needing the more the yeah, kind of bouncing and yeah. in and out yeah. in and out movement so i suppose that's the the best information we have obviously we talked about him not really doing media not really talking much uh since uh publicly so the kind of last thing we heard from him about the, the the kind of technique side of it was that he thought he needed more of that. So you'd assume that that's what he's that's what he's doing, but it's 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 all assumptions, you know. Um, uh, he didn't seem what you were saying about oh, is this a new, better style that he he didn't seem in the post fight press conference to be thinking that way. But you know, it's right after a loss, it's sore, it's it's you're trying to sort out the thoughts in your head. Maybe time has changed what he thought, but I don't know. These these are all questions we we need to. We need to see answered. Yeah, it, that's that's actually a very interesting one as well because I hadn't I hadn't thought of that like that he is open to adjusting backwards, which I think I, I don't know for me if I was if I'd never heard Conor McGregor speak and only watched him fight, I would think it's the opposite way. I would think this is a function of what he has learned by going over to boxing and what he's brought back and seen to work in MMA. You know, he's, if we want anyone watch PFL and saw Clay Collard, the way he fought in MMA since he's came back, okay, the, the Pettis fight was, was unbelievable, especially for the first couple of rounds, and his next fight wasn't as good, but you can see that he's brought back some boxing back with him and used it, like, really, really well in his fights. Whereas McGregor has done a bit of that too, absolutely, but I feel like the Poria one, it was just... You can't get away with that stuff at that sort of level when you're fighting someone that good. You know, we, we talk about for years, why you know, MMA fighters against boxers where I was like, well, what's going to happen? Well, they won't even need to take them down. They'll just kind of kick the leg off them. And that's kind of what happened here. You know, it was kind of like a, an MMA fighter against a boxer. And, you know, Conor McGregor is absolutely an MMA fighter. A lot of people wouldn't like to say it and would talk about his ground game being trash and everything like that. But it's really not. And he's really, like, he's always been a very well-rounded uh, MMA fighter for years and years and years. Um, and I think himself, looking back at that, if he was to look at it with an open mind, he would probably be, you know, remember that uh, whole uh, stuck-in-the-mud thing he was talking about before? I think he'd be calling himself a kind of a stuck-in-the-mud fighter watching that. Now, he landed some good stuff and he's, his hands look crisp at time as well and he rocked Poirier a couple of times but I don't think it was I don't think it was what Conor McGregor would expect from himself fighting in you know a UFC number one contender fight for the lightweight title that is the apex of the sport you know well I suppose the title is the apex of the sport but it's it's very close to the apex of the sport especially when we had a vacant title and the guy who everyone thought was should have been fighting for the title is now fighting Conor McGregor instead so you could argue it is but um I'm very interested to see. Um, someone, someone actually texted me this morning. Who was it? But um, I think Paria said in an interview that 
he will be looking to check leg kicks instead of throwing them. So that's an interesting one. He, I think Kapari expects McGregor to come out and throw leg kicks. Um, and we talked about, I talked about it the last time coming into the fight with Dan Hardy yeah. about Sopa versus Sopa. And it was, it'd be as open for McGregor as it would be for Poirier. Do, do you think that's the thing? Like he did it against Diaz at the second time, didn't he? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Poirier's probably looking at the Diaz fight and saying, oh, well, when the rematch he did have, he was heavy on leg kicks. For Connor, for for Connor anyway, you know uh, he threw a lot more than than he usually would, and obviously the calf kicks uh, were a big thing in the first fight. But I think uh, also Poirier obviously went for a takedown and kind of got it. Didn't really do anything with it, but he, you know, uh, making per- a person think about the takedown is definitely an important thing as well. And you know, uh, losing taking a bit of sharpness and pop off those punches just by tiring slightly uh, a guy with a bit with a bit of grappling uh, is always uh, beneficial as well so I can see Poirier maybe trying to do that again you know trying to sneak in takedowns whenever he can or at least you know um, try to tire tire out Connor in grappling positions yeah I, I would be very surprised if he didn't try to do that like I think whether you know he beats McGregor early or tries to beat him late or tries to drag it into the, the final rounds from Poirier's point of view obviously I think he will be trying to do that. He will be trying to take him down. If he can submit him or if he can ground a pound finish him, absolutely. But to, just the wearing him out, taking away that power is is a big thing against someone like a McGregor, you know, or any punch or like an Inganu or anyone like that. You need to take away that pop uh, early. And for, I think from Paria's point of view as well, I think, you know, every time, uh, like all those, the lads I named there and McGregor as well, especially, I think once you weather that early storm, it's it's the biggest part of it. McGregor will know that as well. Um, and I'm sure he'll be prepared and, and be very, very, um, you know, cardiovascularly prepared, I suppose, if that's the phrase. But we've, look, we've seen McGregor before. It's very hard to put the... Um, one round fucking killer knockout artist with a five round fighter you know it's very hard to put those two things together if you go out and you fucking lay it all on the line for five minutes it's very hard to do it for another 20 minutes after that so finding a happy medium is is a big thing and you know if you're someone you know if you prepare and you think you're going to knock someone out in the first round and if you do all well and good but if you don't what's going to happen after that so i think as I said, that happy medium will have to be found there for McGregor. We, you know, we've seen Paria before. I think Paria is, funnily enough, kind of a similar to McGregor. Like that, he does get tired, but then he finds a second wind. And I think McGregor has done that in the past before. The problem with McGregor is, you know, everyone says he's bad cardio and everything like that. But there isn't that much to see from Conor McGregor. You know, we had the, the five-round fight against Nathan Diaz, which he won. We had the three-round fight, which he went to decision against Max Holloway and won. We had the Floyd Mayweather bout, which he went like nine rounds with the greatest boxer of all time. He got tired. That's where I, I take, and the Diaz fight as well, that's where I make that assumption from, and it's based on two fights. He got tired, he got a second wind, and then he kind of finished stronger after that. Like, the fourth round against Diaz, I think, was, like, one of the biggest rounds of Conor McGregor's career up until this point. So I think he kind of has that second wind. I think Paria is, is similar as well. I think it was the Eddie Alvarez fight, was it? The Gaethje fight, even when he came out, fighting very, very well. Then kind of got a little bit tired, got landed a few shots on, and then uh, kind of took uh, took away himself and got even even better towards the end of the fight. So I think they're similar enough on that. Um uh, look, I think from a technical point of view, if McGregor comes out and goes hard for it early, I think that's the best thing he can do, to be honest. I think uh, I don't think he should fight similarly tactically, or uh, sorry, technically, than what he did in the first fight. 
I think he should change it up a little bit. Maybe he cannot do the in-and-out movement or doesn't want to do the in-and-out movement as much as he used to do before. Lighting his feet, throwing those hook kicks and wheel kicks and stuff like that. Maybe he wants to box a little bit more. But I think go for it. Like, that's what Conor McGregor is. I think if he's going to win this fight... I, I, Okay, could he win it five rounds like he did the DS fight? Uh, yeah, absolutely. We Look, we've been bitten with that before. I said probably before that fight. Probably go back and listen to the podcast. I probably said absolutely not. No hope. And then he goes out and does it. I think Parry is tougher. I think it'd be very, very harder, uh, hard to do that against Parry and much harder than Diaz. But I think this fight, I think Conor McGregor needs to, to fight in a similar tactical way to the first fight. Change the technique move a bit more maybe more kicks but try to land that knockout shot early you know that's what conor mcgregor is we know he's a hitter and maybe not you know what a one round knockout but one and two round land those big shots take pieces out of paria and mind yourself as well while doing it i think that's a big part of it but if he had does adjust the movement pulls that leg out and doesn't leave himself in that pocket to be kicked or to be hit by paria and that I, look i think it's not the, just the leg kicks when you know we're kind of talking a lot about that we haven't gone back and watched the fight I think McGregor's biggest problem in that fight was when he did land and he was uh, getting countered by Poirier after his own shots. Poirier was either hitting him or getting very close to hitting him many, many times because McGregor wasn't getting out straight away. Now, McGregor has good head movement there and he dips down and he's intelligent, but there's only so much you can do with the amount of weapons you have in MMA. Parry's going to catch him with a, a punch or an elbow or a knee or something uh, in there. And that's when you're like moving in the pocket and trying to avoid everything in the pocket in MMA, it's, it's nigh on impossible. So if McGregor can maybe improve in that direction, but also improve in just getting out, you know, you need to either get away or get out. And I think McGregor needs to do a little bit better in that as well. If he can keep himself safe for the first couple of rounds, I think McGregor can win this fight, but I think that's going to be very, very tough. And I, I, I personally think that those adjustments back to where he was are the key to this fight. And I'm very skeptical about whether he can do it. I'm very, very skeptical. Like, and you know, people probably want our picks for this fight, and we will give them in a second. But do you, is there anything there you'd like to pick out and or or think that could be a key for this fight, especially in the in the stand-up realm? You know, we we. You know, we, we can talk about maybe the ground game in a second, but from the stand-up, do you think McGregor... Like, we, we've always talked before, McGregor's taken shots in his whole career, but I felt like he took more shots, even punches, against Poirier than he's ever taken. Was that something you noticed as well? Yeah. Uh, do you think there was a bit of... Because he beat them before kind of easily, there was a bit of underestimating yeah, going on there. I think so, yeah. I think so, too. I think this time, you know, he'll definitely be, you know, uh, not underestimating... I don't think either guy will be underestimating, but I think, you know, he didn't really respect the leg kicks at all. Um, just I think he thought he could just take them, um, march through them, and I definitely think that'll be obviously different in his mind. It's definitely like another obstacle to come to overcome when you've you know been finished by the guy in in the last fight. Uh, it's a different mental space, but uh, you know he's he's shown before that he bounces back very well. Uh, historically, from from losses and seems to be able to adapt and and, and learn. So, you know, if he can, if he can, you know, if he can do some of the things we're, we're talking about, if he can kind of bring it back to the old style a little bit and maybe not completely, you know, uh, throwing all these, like, you know, a lot of high, high energy kicks might not be the, might not be the, the, the best move, but mixing in head kicks and, you know, how good his like left head kick is. It kind of has no, it has very little tail. And I think he was, I think in, I don't know if it was a, an Instagram Q and A or something he did, he did something anyway. And, um, 
he was talking about uh, head kicks and stuff. So I think he's definitely, you know, taught more about the, the technique and tactic side of this fight than he did the first one. Um, and he, he's shown in the, in the past to have a very, very good fight IQ and all that. So it's it's, it's very interesting to see, um, like, to see how he comes out in the first 30 seconds, what stance he has and all. Everything about this fight is, is, is very interesting yeah. to, to me to see to see what the... What the crack is? <laughs> yeah, it's really it's like I think your your point about fight IQ as well as there is is a very interesting one that I hadn't really thought of. But like I used to always talk about McGregor before, and I think it's the most underappreciated part of his game is his intelligence. Like he's an unbelievable athlete and his unbelievable power and stuff. But his intelligence to land those shots has always been, you know, his best asset. You could you could argue, um, and he didn't look like an intelligent fighter in the last fight. So. You know, could, can he do it again and be more intelligent in this fight? Absolutely, I think he can. Uh, but that that is a big key. And for Poirier, you know, I I think I think Poirier has to be intelligent in this as well because ooh, it's very hard, I think, for Poirier to prepare for this fight because we were talking about it here and we've talked for the last fucking 40 minutes nearly about it here about what is Conor McGregor going to do? How is he going to prepare? How is he going to be different? Usually with fighters, we kind of know what they're like a little bit, you know? Um, and for, like, Parry would probably be coming out again like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to wait and kind of hold back and see maybe what McGregor's going to do, but that's dangerous against someone who hits so hard so early like Conor McGregor. Um, so, like, from his tactical point of view, if you're looking at it from a Parry point of view, I think you, I think you have to be more careful early again. I think a lot of clinching, a couple of takedowns early, uh, get that head out the way, a, you know, jab off the cage, because McGregor's very good at cutting off the cage. And I think if he does continue to cut off the cage and can be better defensively, I think it's going to be a very hard night for Parry as well. So Parry needs to jab, move sideways off the cage and get away from McGregor uh, and, you know, make McGregor run after him, I think, in, in the first round or two, if you can't be you know, in the clinch or on the ground with him. So, you know, and on the ground, you know, we talked about the wrestling as well before. You mentioned in, in the first fight, Poirier took him down, but McGregor immediately, you know, he got his arse to the cage, got his back to the cage and got up. And in the clinch, I would argue it was 50-50. McGregor probably landed the better shots in the clinch, but from like a technical point of view, I think there was a bit of control from McGregor, a bit of control from Poirier, and not really much in it. You know, we've seen Poirier's uh, submissions before. We've only seen one submission from Conor McGregor in his career, but Poirier has obviously very, very good submissions uh, on the ground. So I, I think McGregor, when he, is, um, when he is early in the fight, when it's um you know when he's dry and when he's not tired i think he'll be able to defend Poirier uh pretty well in the, the wrestling and jiu-jitsu round maybe he'd get taken down but i think he'd be able to to survive and maybe get his arse to the cage again and get back up but i think the later it goes even in towards the second and third round i think that's maybe where the difficulties can lie uh what, what do you think about the just the ground game in general i know you've seen a lot of conor mcgregor on the ground and you know doing the documentary and stuff more than probably anyone who's, who's listened to this podcast or who has watched conor mcgregor fight he's better than than we think there isn't he Ah, uh, yeah i think like you know that narrative was was there because we had really seen him seen him on the ground when he was a young pro and when we had he he had a couple of submission loss to to uh, Setenkov and duffy obviously but uh, we've, you know, in the uh, w before he got tired in the first fight with Diaz, we saw him uh, sweep Diaz. Like we've seen him, you know, uh, escape against um, Mendes. We've seen him, we, we, like you know, he's obviously not the best wrestler and grappler in, in the division, but uh, he's definitely like that old narrative that seems to have carried on is is nonsense. Like he's 
he's obviously a very very well-rounded fighter obviously his his first his first uh base is obviously striking and that's obviously his his best way but it's not as if he's a one-dimensional fighter like like fighters of old the way people kind of seem to yeah. some people seem to think yeah it's true uh right the the pick graham what's what's your pick who do you think will win how do you think they'll win it? Like it's a tough one. I, I think I think you're right that Connor has to go for it early and will go for it early. You know that's been proved a very um, fruitful uh, tactic throughout his career, uh, bar a couple of a couple of times. You know, obviously Diaz and and um, that Parier second match or second fight was obviously uh, it didn't go well. But in that fight, he did land some big shots, as you said. I think. I think he has to go for it early and look for the KO and r- rattle Dustin, not let Dustin get into his game. I think if he lets Dustin get into his game and get his game plan going and maybe like work in the clinches and, you know, try to work leg kicks again, I think, you know, it's obviously going to play in, in Parier's favour. But I have, I actually have a feeling that Connor's going to do it uh, in the first round. I think he's going to, he's going to go for it uh, early and I think he's, he, he might be able to get it done. You know, uh, he's a big puncher and, He's obviously, you know, he studies tape a lot, and them those counters that, that Poirier was getting before, I don't think are going to be there this time, especially not as as often. Um, Connor's going to be going to, I I imagine, Connor's going to be uh, in and out uh, a lot quicker, even if it isn't in a bouncing stance. He's not going to be there trying to move his head. He's going to be out of range. Um, and I think the fact that you know he's he's obviously going to have to be taking this this fight very seriously, and you know, I think under pressure and rising to the occasion he's, he's shown he can do that before and i think the crowd behind him and the, the energy of that will help him as well and if if he is to, to crack parier early like the the noise might like you know uh rattle parier even more or encourage connor to to attack even more and you know that has its ups and downs as well but like i can see i can see like loads of reasons to pick parier but i, I have a feeling connor might get it done early here yeah yeah, look, I, look, I wouldn't be surprised. I think look, McGregor throughout his whole career has been um, a very, a very smart fighter and a very kind of, I think, maybe, maybe self-taught is not the word, but kind of a self, <laughs> self-analyzing, self fucking, you know, um, it, it makes a lot of his own decisions about how he fights and the best way to do it. Uh, and you can see like the understanding, even if he doesn't, you can see he has the understanding for what he's going to do um, and how he's going to do it. And, you know, if he comes into a rematch with the first fight behind him and wins it with, with better tactics, I wouldn't be at all surprised. I think though, like the, the the big talk we had after the last fight, and we started off the podcast talking about this is the the adjustments, the changes, what he did different, what he did new, and maybe he has done all those things. I haven't seen it, so for me to have not seen any of that and have seen the first fight, I can't pick Conor McGregor. I don't think coming into this fight, like, but just that Conor McGregor against Dustin Poirier this time, he just looks so flat, looked so stuck in the mud. I'm not sure he can adjust back to his old style. If he can. If McGregor comes out and he fights in his old style and he looks fit and he's moving everywhere, I think he probably will win, to be honest, because I think that style is, and I said it right after the last fight, and go back and listen to the podcast, that style is built to build, to beat what Poirier did in that fight. And I think he, he can win that way. But I'm not sure he's going to do that. I think there needed to have been more done than there was done. Um, from what I've seen now, maybe I'm I'm wrong. I don't know, and I'm just completely assuming. So if I am wrong, I'm wrong. Um... But I, I think Parier, I think McGregor will come out quicker and he will try to um, 
Uh, he will try to knock him out early and he'll try to do bigger things. But I think Paria will be more careful early. Uh, he will do a lot more clinches, as we talked about earlier. And I think because of that, I think the fight will go a little bit longer. Uh, so I think it'll go... I think it got three to four rounds, and I think McGregor will get a little bit tired. Parry will stand, start to land a few shots. I think when McGregor takes a few shots, he's the sort of lad where the opponent will get like he G'd up, and McGregor will start taking more and more. Um, I think it'll, my, my prediction is Dustin Parry late maybe third round submission that's what i think i think mcgregor might even you know go for a takedown and end up getting fucking peruvian necktie or something like that uh or, or darts or an anaconda or something like that from paria so but uh it's an interesting fight and that's that's just me completely speculating obviously as it is with you two graham i think look two of the best lightweights in the world uh, a huge trilogy one and one it's a it's a brilliant fight and uh i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to seeing how it tactically plays out like you could talk about mcgregor all you want and you could talk about Parry all you want but fighter a with this skill set versus fighter b with that skill set just matching up after they've done it twice before is is always very very intriguing and i'm, I'm really looking forward to the fight itself and best luck to, to both lads i'm sure they're uh I'm sure they're, they're both lovely lads. They're both lovely lads. I've gone and met, well, I was going to say many's a drinking session, but one drinking session with Dustin Poirier. Uh, <laughs> never got McGregor. I'm sure you've got a one and two with him. I'd say, but those probably those stories are probably better off for uh, for another day. But however, um, let's talk about a little bit about the rest of the cards. Um, on the undercard, uh, the the UFC fight pass section. Jennifer Moya versus Jessica at flyweight. Not a, not a bad fight there at all. Amari uh, Achmanov versus Brad Tavares down the card. Jerome Rivera uh, on the card as well. And a couple more lads. Uh, Drukas Duplessis against Trevin Giles at middleweight. I like Duplessis. I think he's a good fighter. Ryan Hall versus Leah Tapuria. What a fight that is. Tapuria looked absolutely fantastic recently. And Ryan Hall, we know he's leg lock 50-50 game. So that'll probably be a weird fight. If you're a fan of... Uh, if you're a, a kind of a casual fan of MMA and you don't know either, these two lads Ryan Hall is basically a guy who falls to his back and tries to like break your leg in every fight and can either do or that rolls under you or yeah. jumps in some <laughs> kind of he's, mad he's, he's either going to break your leg with a submission or just like just roll around <laughs> and just do nothing for 15 minutes. And on the feet, he's going to spam head kicks like it's yeah. a UFC uh, video <laughs> game. UFC game, yeah. So it, that'll probably be the oddest fight of the weekend you watch, but uh, looking forward to that one. Although Mikel Pereira is in the fight above that as well against Nico Price. What a fucking fight that is. Pereira is Pereira how the fuck do you say Pereira. that's how you say it. he's like lost my ability to speak there i was trying to say prosecco the other day and i was like prosecco progresso or something i was like my my i'm terrible um that fight i i just hope Pereira fights like Pereira fights i i really hope he does these last couple of fights he has tried to be more normal he's tried to be a more normal fighter i think against nico price that'll actually work against him i think he'd be better off going out and um just going fucking mad again but two of the biggest welterweights you'll find that's going to be an absolute fucking there's someone going to get knocked out in that fight that's that's going to be a great fight and then we have carlos condit one of the most exciting fighters in the history of mma coming back against max griffin here so that should be fun as well. So a very, very good undercard. Um, on the main card, we have Sean O'Malley against Chris Matinho, who's taken the fight. Is this an O'Malley. Irish Sean Sheehan uh, Twitter handle night? Yeah, well, it always is when Sugar Sean O'Malley is fighting. He'll be, I'll be in there. Um, 
that I don't know much about Chris Moutinho. I won't lie. I think he's he's come in from was it LFA or somewhere like that. Lewis Smolka was supposed to fight Sean O'Malley, which to me was a bit of an odd fight. I thought it would have been a fun fight. I would have liked to have seen it, but um, yeah, be a big opportunity for Chris Moutinho, and I think. You know, I think um, the UFC are trying to build Sean O'Malley and are actually doing a, a pretty good job of it, to be honest. But putting him on a Conor McGregor undercard would probably, you know, he'd probably bring out the Irish flag and everything like that. Um, I'm sure the Irish Americans will absolutely eat that up. So it's a wise placement to put Sean O'Malley on that. Opening up the card if he gets a big knockout or something. Uh, I think that could be very, very smart by the UFC. So uh, I th- that's a definitely a good move for them. Um, Arguably, then the the women's bantamweight number one contender fight again from uh, Irina Aldana against Yana Kunitskaya. Maybe I'm forgetting someone there, but uh, I think that's uh, especially if Aldana wins. I, I like Aldana. I've been a big fan of her for ages. I think like you're uh, that's the question. If you could pick out one person, okay, she lost to Holly Holm last time out, but she has beaten you know Ketlin Vera, who was the number one contender before that. And if there's one person you can kind of pick out of people on the way up to challenge Amanda Nunes, I think she'd be the one I'd like to see. Now I don't think she'd beat Amanda Nunes or anything like that. But, you know, apart from Kayla Harrison, obviously. Uh, but we leave that chat to last week. But, uh, yeah, um, I think that's a good fight. And I think um, Kunitskaya is tough. You know, tough as hell. But I think uh, I think Aldana will do that one. Um, big, big heavyweight stint. Um, former NFL player slash terrible human being, Greg Hardy, against lovely lad Taito Avasa, who drinks beer out of shoes. I think a lot of people will want Taito Avasa to probably win this fight, to be honest. But, uh uh, do you know Taito Ivasa has more UFC heavyweight fights than Daniel Carmia and Brock Lesnar? Do you know that? No, there you go. Um, but yeah, looking forward to seeing that one. And then in the Coleman event, this is a big one as well. Arguably a welterweight number one contender about, although with the fucking way they're matchmaking welterweight recently, it probably isn't. Gilbert Burns against the most beautiful man, the most magnificent creation that God has ever put on this green art, Stephen Wonderby Thompson. Um... Or I, f- I feel like this should be one of those fights over five rounds, you know, that they're just the arbitrary five-round fight that uh, the UFC have been doing lately. Uh, pity it isn't, but what what do you think, before I get into my thoughts on, on Burns versus Wonderboy? It's a fun fight, isn't it? Who do you think will win him? Yeah, it's a fun fight. I always love watching Wonderboy. Like, he brings something different. Like, Ryan Hall, we were talking about it, does the same. So there's, there's definitely some uh, interesting fights on this card, and Wonderboy against Gilbert Burns is definitely one of them, you know. Wonderboy, he, he's kind of had an unfortunate situation. Uh, he's kind of been, you know, kept out of, of title fights. Uh, um, maybe the the Woolly fights didn't didn't impress too many people. I I actually enjoyed the the first one and didn't mind the second one, but uh, I think that kind of left a stain that he's been kind of hard hard to get over. Obviously, losing to to, to Pettis like that. Um, in a fight he was winning getting knocked out wasn't ideal but that could like when you're spending so much time on the feet that's going to happen sooner or later and an unpredictable guy like Pettis and I, I obviously think he beat uh, Darren Till um, I was surprised at that decision at the time so you know Wonderboy's had a bit of an unlucky run and this is kind of his last chance maybe to to get to the, the title shot and get that title so you know uh, this is a huge fight for him Um Obviously, he hasn't fought the, the level of competition that he that he had in previous years recently. But he's, you know, he's he hasn't looked like he's he's lost a step. He hasn't looked over the hill or anything like that. So, yeah, I think Gilbert Burns has been improving a lot fight to fight. Uh, he's a very good fighter. He's very well rounded now. But I think Wonderboy's style and not, it's so hard to get in on Wonderboy to get a takedown. It's so hard to get to, get inside near him to, to land punches without without uh, you know the risk of a big shot coming from him. So yeah, I, I'd be picking Wonderboy in this fight. But uh, yeah, I think um, 
I think, you know, Gilbert Burns might kind of... He might look like uh, a lot of a worse fighter than he is in this fight. Uh, Wonderboy has a habit of, of doing that to people, and I think yeah. he might do that here. Yeah, it's uh, Wonderboy as well. It's an odd one because sometimes, you know, let, let's say uh, Curtis Blades now, right? He's lost to Francis Ngannou twice. So it's going to be a little bit harder for him to get the title shot. And especially, like, let's say if someone has lost to the same guy twice for a title. It's almost about like a Joseph Benavidez versus Demetrius Shanson. Very hard to get back in. And that's what happened. Well, I wonder why obviously drew one of those fights at Woodley. But now Woodley's gone. And the fact that he really hasn't even been placed in in the title picture over the last while has been very odd, I think, to me. Now, this one, when you're fighting Gilbert Burns, if you beat Gilbert Burns, you have to be in that picture. You have to be in that talk. But it feels like they're trying to avoid that talk with him. Uh, and I'm not sure why. I think Dana White was, like, expecting him to be this, like, poster child, uh, you know, knockout artist. And then he had a couple of... Not non knockouts. Let's say that I didn't think they were the greatest fights in the world, but you liked them and so They're not. Look, they weren't. They weren't the worst fights in US history, UFC history. That was. Yeah. Well, so, I wasn't like you know. I wasn't. They weren't. weren't like very like high or um memorable fights that I put on a, a high on a list or anything. But battles, they, like, they were tactical. Yeah. They were on an edge. I, I felt at any moment like any you know. And I think we saw when when. Woodley floored uh, Wonderboy that the fight was on an edge and yeah. maybe some people don't enjoy them but I enjoyed them obviously it wasn't yeah. a fantastic fight I'm going to go back and watch yeah it's yeah it's true and like uh, it's he's it feels like he's been trying to force himself back into it and it's just not worked for him but this fight look it's a very interesting fight for me I think Gilbert Burns you know he's a similar sort of build to Tyron Woodley I think a more dangerous fighter even than even than Woodley. I think he hits very very hard. Um, you know, on the ground, absolutely, and just insane jujitsu and everything like that. So if he can get the fight to the ground, you know, Wonderboy has probably better jujitsu than than we know as well. I think uh, you know, he's is it his brother-in-law or something like that has a black belt and he train he's been training a lot with him over the last while. And you know, having Chris Weidman as well as his other brother-in-law is another black belt. You know, he's and we you know, talk about Wonderboy's wrestling over the last few years. Who's taking Wonderboy down? You know, no one. So it's if Gilbert Burns is to do, he's even trying to get him down. Yeah, very very rarely. Yeah, so I think Gilbert Burns. Um, he's going to have to take lots of opportunities, but I think, or take chances to get opportunities, I think that plays into the hands of Wonderboy, though. Look, maybe he will knock him out, maybe he will land a shot. And, you know, you said Wonderboy hasn't lost a step. Not not to go against myself, but I think he actually has a little bit. I don't think he's as fast as he once was. And I think it, it will open up for Burns, and I think Burns will land a few shots. But I think Burns has showed as well that I don't think Burns is the best chain in the world um, and I think if Wonderboy can land a few shots in him, I think he probably can knock him out. But it's an interesting fight. I, I think someone's getting knocked out in this fight. I really do. I'm not sure who. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a little bit biased towards Wonderboy, I think. But I I don't know. I honestly don't. I find it very hard. I'd probably pick Wonderboy. You know, we'd probably be doing the picks during the week here. But, um, yeah, I, I think I'll pick, uh, pick Wonderboy to win the fight. But I could easily see Burns knocking him out as well. Look, a very, very fun fight. I'm looking forward to... Uh, to seeing it happening and uh, to, to, to see what uh, what's going on. And, uh, you know, that's basically all the MMA we have next week. I'm looking at Topology here um, and uh, the UFC 264 in six days' time and then we've Bellator 262 at 12 days' time. So we'll obviously talk about that next week. But, you know, there's no, no big MMA. I know CFFC was on last night. Um, but, um, 
there's a big big MMA card coming up next week and then uh, we'll, we'll be moving on from there so I'm looking forward to it I can't wait um, yeah so that's our, our UFC 264 breakdown Graham we have to talk about it as well we talked about it a lot last week the whole Ian Gary team KF situation and you know about what would be said after it um, so team KF uh, released a statement. Uh, I'll read out the statement here now. If you'll bear with me for a few seconds, uh, this so this quote from Team KF. This past week, Team KF has stayed silent out of respect for Cage Warriors promotion to minimise any disruption to the fantastic fights uh, that they promote, and also not to interfere with the welterweight title bout on Fight Week. We now want to take the opportunity to set the record straight on the back of some statements and insinuations from the current welterweight champion and his manager. Uh, Team KF adheres to a set of ethics and values that are sacred above the needs of any one individual member. Some of the values that we openly promote are loyalty, honor, and respect. Where an individual no longer abides by these values uh, and expects special privileges in regards to their contribution to the club, and that individual will be informed that their position as a member, as a team member, is until no one individual is bigger than the overall welfare and safety of the team with that in mind ian gary was informed that he no longer he was no longer a member of the club after repeated warnings regarding his behavior to other teammates and his coaches that had become distinct uh, since employment of a new manager in march after this appointment he became uncoachable this is not a decision that was taken lightly as uh, considerable time and resources were dedicated to Ian's training at a cost to the club since he made his amateur uh, debut a dozen fights ago up until he attained his world title under the tutelage of his coaches with the sports of his teammates. Team KF is drawing a line under the matter and we return our focus uh, to even more, uh, making more champions and helping members achieve their fitness and martial arts goals. Uh, end of quote. So that's obviously that that middle paragraph there i suppose where they said um he became uncoachable that he changed after he got his new manager that he had repeated warnings for his behavior towards teammates and coaches that's very very strong you know and we, we talked about it last week and we said you know there's obviously been something that's happened there we might never hear about it uh neither person might never say anything like as usually happens here you know coaches and fighters have broken up in the past but that's a very very strong statement there to say you know Ian Gary is uncoachable and that you know obviously he's his manager as well is Leila and Ali if anyone watched my interview last week you know I, I think everyone and, and she actually messaged me and she apologized for coming into the interview and said you know she just wanted to, to keep Ian kind of on an even keel uh during fight week which you know fair enough I, I appreciate uh, her coming on and, and saying that to me so I, I thought I'd mentioned that as well and she did on private and everything so but i i i i think it's uh it's good to mention that there but so it's like his girlfriend slash manager and now this came team kf came out and kind of didn't obviously mention her by name but referred to her as the manager and stuff as well just all a bit a bit weird it's very very obviously a very strong statement and ian gary has hasn't said much since you know he kind of said i leave my talk and doing uh, i'll do my talking in the cage and you know, he, he well, came, he did put out a statement, didn't he, about his team left him yeah, before he did. the fight. Yeah. He did, but he hasn't, you know, he did that interview with Edith LaBelle, and it was a very good interview afterwards. I know we talked about that a little bit last week, and, you know, he was, like, apologizing to his family and stuff. And, you know, it was, it, it's just a very, very sad situation, to be honest. And, you know, what, what did you, first of all, what did you think of the statement and the way they said he was, like, uncoachable and, uh, you know, to that he was warned um let me let me just read it again because i don't want to get it wrong but um 
uh, he was had repeated warnings regarding his behavior to other teammates and coaches. Like when when someone says about behavior towards other teammates, that makes you think like if something bad happened in sparring or something like that. And I don't know, I'm purely speculation here now, but that seems to be what they're saying. That's very strong, isn't it? Yeah, well, like, you know, the, the kind of early hopes of a lot of people when they heard about it was uh, hopefully it can be worked out and, you know, sorted out and just uh, some kind of like disagreement or misunderstanding. But, it, you know, it definitely seems like both both sides of the, the thing are taking a kind of hard stance that, uh, that um, you know, this this probably looks like a for the foreseeable future. Anyway, it looks like this could be the end of the... I know, obviously, they've broken up, but... You know these things happen in MMA, and people disagree, and they're back together so- sooner rather than later. But it, it looks like maybe Ian's gonna need to start looking for for a new team. Yeah, I like. Yeah, it does look like that because when he came out, like, and I, you know, I, I obviously asked him about it, and he wasn't saying anything. And then he he said he really after my interview, which I I've kind of felt a bit bad about doing it on fight week, but I I asked a few people. And it, you, you, know, have to, you, have you have to ask yeah. those questions. I uh, like if I went on, I didn't ask those questions. And he walked out with no corner. What a, what an idiot I would look like. I'm not doing my job in that situation. And I like I didn't want to do it, but I fucking had to. But anyway, that's not about me. But he came out and released that statement, and he said he, he basically said that his team kind of left him in the lurch on uh, you know a few weeks out from from fight week, which is you know, you know a strong statement as well to say. But I don't think it's something that. I think you could get over that one. You know, that's the sort of one you might be able to get past. But this statement that Team KF have left, I, I would agree with you that I don't think it's, I don't think it's possible for to get them to get back together after that. It was very, very strong. Look, I, I don't know what the truth of it is. I, uh, I'm sure you know the, the Team KF have their side of it. Ian Gary has his side of it, and the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle. But there was definitely. You know, things had changed. Things had gone on. There was, uh, you know, obviously arguments disagreements in camp and, and they ended up breaking up but i think you know the big thing going forward i see team kf putting out like loads of pictures and stuff with their their fighters and hopefully it doesn't affect the team or any of the fighters and hopefully it doesn't affect ian gary as well but it, look at it, when i say hopefully it, it is affecting ian gary he's gonna have to find a new team a new place to train a new way to train is he gonna stay in dublin you know and keep training there is he going to go to the uk is he going to go to america or somewhere like that and if like if he does stay in dublin like obviously there's there's Team Rhino or you know SPG, but you know Ian Gary and Dixie said. Well, like if you're gonna more. believe, if you're gonna take at face value what what the team are saying, you know I don't think if you're if you're if you're not really following the rules or doing what you're yeah. told at, at Team Rhino or any any most gyms, they're not gonna they're not gonna be happy with you and they're not gonna put up with it. Yeah, but like you also have a fighter who's probably going to be fighting in the UFC yeah. and anything. Like, I, I, like, if I was a coach, I think, well, okay, you know, especially, like, if you're John Kavanaugh, you're fucking used to Conor McGregor, right? <laughs> like Ian Gary would be grand, <laughs> you know, I couldn't be much, he couldn't be much more hassled than the Conor McGregor, so, like, if I, if I was John Kavanaugh, I'd be sending him DMs, I'd be like, come on, Ian, let's, let's go over here, you know, and he'd have, like, in fairness, okay, the problem with that is, uh, look, interviews I've done with him before, he said everyone in Bellator is shite and all this, and obviously all, we know uh, all, basically everyone in, in the UFC, well, until better, Bellator started cutting fucking left, right, and center, but a lot of the, the uh, our SPG, everyone in SPG is in Bellator, and we know John Kavanagh's connections to the gym, you know, he's called it uh, straight Bellator gym before and things like that, so I think that would be tough, but I, look, if you're talking about from a sporting point of view, it'd probably be the best way he could go. He could be like in a camp with Conor McGregor. He could be training with Kiefer Crosby and 
you know, Richard Kiley and Brian Moore and all those guys and, you know, Will Flory and guys around his, you know, similar size and fighting at a, at a very good, like Peter Kiley, number one contender in the world now, probably uh, at the lightweight division who's fought a welterweight before. So there's, like, he did some very good training there. I don't know if that's possible. You know, Team KF was kind of like an offshoot of SBG that kind of went completely against them and are like, you know, we, we saw all that had gone on with, you know, John Kavanagh and and uh, Tom King and stuff like that, where you know ended up in kind of Conor McGregor saying, "All right, kind of, you've made your point. Stop talking about this in the end of it, you know." And there was a lot of drama there, so I don't know if that's possible or not. But you know, it's it's another, it's a big one now. Like when's Ian Gary going to fight again? He was injured coming into the fight. How is he going to embed into a new team to prepare for his next fight? There's a lot of big questions there to ask, and you know, it might be fine. Let's say you know if I don't know. Tyron, or uh, who, let me, let me, Wonderboy, let's say Wonderboy, like, oh, I know he's father training, but let's say he's a normal trainer, and they fell out, well, if he had to go and train somewhere else for his next fight, he mightn't be too bad, you know, he's at the very, very top of the game, he's been there for years, Ian Gary's still a guy learning, he's still a guy coming up, he's a very, very good fighter, don't get me wrong, I think he'll be a very good UFC fighter, um, but he's still a guy learning, still a guy on the ups, what, seven fights in, he needs a team, he needs a coach, um, and, and he needs not to rush into this next fight. Yeah. He needs to sort the, sort a lot of things out first, and then you know you don't want you don't want um, you know you don't want to rush into something and take unnecessary risks with your with your career. Just you know it doesn't have to be a long time out, but you need to get some things in order before, before you start signing for another fight. I think. Yeah, you you really really do, and like the the in that um, thing as well. They talk about his manager and they talk about the, you know different things. I just hope he's not getting taken advantage of anywhere either, like, you know, and that's a that's a big thing with, with sports people. Not maybe we haven't seen so much of it uh in MMA, but like when you you know, we've seen people getting taken advantage of by managers and, you know, hangers on and different things like that. Now I don't know if that's the case with Ian Gary or maybe I was going to say he's the only one who could answer that. He probably even can't. You know, it'll probably be five years down the road when you're looking back at it, you can answer it. But like, I hope that's not the case. Um, you know, and you know, Conor McGregor and a few fucking hangers on, like you hanging around, hanging <laughs> around him there. So maybe he could get some, some some advice off of him for how to deal with that. But yeah, it's um, look, it's it's a very serious and sad situation. I think Graham Bylan put out a thing the other day saying that it's a pity he's never seen such kind of a close um, coach and um, fighter, uh, you know, relationship over the years. And for it to kind of break up this way is very unfortunate. But two very, obviously very passionate people and, you know, a very passionate team. It, it was, it, things like this are, are maybe not bound to happen, but like... Um, you know, when there is a serious clash and there is two different views of it, it's, you know, a breakup like this is, is very, very uh, unfortunate and sad. But however, what can we do about it? Right, Graham, anything else? Are we anything else to talk about? That is, we finished. Have we all of MMA covered? Yeah, are you, are you muted there or are you just gone? Have you, have you just left? I think Graham's gone. Anyway, all right, I'll end, I'll end it from there. Graham has just died in the middle of the, the, the Sphere podcast, but we were over anyway, so no matter. Um, right, everybody, thanks very much for listening. I appreciate it. If you want to sign up for our Patreon, do that now. Patreon.com forward slash Sphere podcast. Uh, my internet is, oh, I hope my internet's not gone, actually. It's not because I clicked up here, but my internet has been terrible over the last few days. But, but, but. We have some big interviews coming up. I have two of them already lined up. One coming out 
here's a here's a bit of a hint for you. One coming out at six p.m. GMT on Monday, one p.m. Eastern time Monday to start off our Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier preview. Another big one coming Tuesday, and I will have more that I've yet to organise throughout the week as well. Uh, so big coverage coming from Severe May. Patreon.com forward slash Severe May podcast. Now is the time to sign up. I'm telling you, now is the time to sign up. Do that. Let us know what you think. Patreon.com forward slash Severe May podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time. Good luck.